presidential primary field is taking shape. The battle lines are becoming clearer, and so is the field of candidates. Is the odds on favorites if you look at the polling still Trump versus Biden? That seems to be it, but it's just way too early to tell. I'm more angry now and I'm more committed now than I ever was. Big challenge for these candidates is going to be how do they navigate Donald Trump? And, and how do they navigate Ron DeSantis? You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. Welcome, everybody. Big night. Welcome to the Ruthless Variety program. Live stream. Oh, yeah, there you go, girl. Senator outfit, you can vote with that. I don't know if you knew that. You can vote with that. If you get the shorts, two votes. Ah, welcome everybody. Thank you guys so much for coming out. Thank you for AFP for co-sponsoring this event. Let's hear it for AFP. We got a great crowd, look at that. I'm Josh Holmes, along with comfortably smug Michael Duncan, John Ashbrook, with the luxurious voices coming through your headsets on every Tuesdays and Thursdays. Well, we've got a special show for you tonight, a real one. And in order to have a real one, you need a real guest. And our real guest tonight, Katie Pavlich, ladies and gentlemen. Let's hear a round of applause. There you are. Oh, have you, have you brought tribute? Is this on? Yeah. What, what, what do you, yeah, what do you have? There? I mean, I brought gifts. But considering last time my gift was meat from an extinct animal, <laughs> I wasn't sure how I was going to outdo myself. Yeah. So we should try. Okay. Oh, my goodness. Josh may be familiar with this. There you go. Oh. What do we have? What do we have here? Oh, it has Pass our names. Down. It Pass has our names down. on it there. It's not drugs, just because it's in a brown bag. Tight. A brown oh, look bag. At this. Here in Southwest. Thank East, you. You never know what you're going to get. Exactly. Right? Look at this. What is Keep this? Keep your head in the Whoa. slip of my own. Incredible. <laughs> Whoa. Oh, is that a scorpion? That is a scorpion. A scorpion. A real life. Allegedly. And when I was looking for gifts for you, I had a better idea. But I'm going to save it for next time because I started really high and I just got to keep going. And I could have bought you bags and bags of scorpions, but I thought that'd be really gross. So I just got you one wrapped in a sweet something something. But a little taste of Arizona. A little taste state. of Arizona, yes, well, indeed. I, I'll With, tell and the whiskey is from Virginia. And I wrapped the paracord just in case you're ever in a pinch and need some survival skills, that'll help you out. Hey, folks, this is Courage and Conviction Bourbon. Yes, look right at on brand. Courage and Conviction Bourbon. Can we get a little volume on, on Smug's mic? I feel like he needs a little extra. We're uh, gonna give him extra already. But, but, but in, the, in the interim, Michael, is there any chance you can onesie this thing? Ah, oh, Jesus, all right. <laughs> huh? Let's see if he can make this thing happen. He, by the way, I totally set him up with that. He had absolutely no idea this is gonna happen. I don't know if this is legal though. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go! There we go. We're off to a good start. You're going to get some rough debate analysis here at the end of the night. I can assure you. <laughs> oh, oh, we're swapping out mics. There I am. There he is. I love it. I love it. Thank you, buddy. Welcome aboard. Um, listen, thank you all for being a part of this. Like all of our live shows in D.C., 
This thing went live and sold out in like seven and a half minutes. So for those of you who got tickets, we know you're on it. You listen right when you get up and you get right when the tickets. And I, we can't tell you how much we appreciate it. So thank you from us. Yeah, thank thank you. you so much. Everyone, everyone be responsible tonight. Last time we did a live show in D.C., uh, someone puked underneath their seat and stayed for the rest of the show. And, and another guy got carried out by a bouncer through the double doors. I'm hoping that doesn't happen tonight. But if it does, that's cool as well. Right? Raise, raise your hand if you're willing to puke for the cause. All right, there they we have, go. They have the courage to do the right thing. They have the courage to do the right thing. I love it. So, listen, we spent, for those of you who listen day in and day out, you know that we've spent the whole entire month of August traveling around with all these presidential candidates, getting to know them, going to see them, campaigning, whatnot. We were in Iowa. We were in Milwaukee. We were in Atlanta. We were moving all around the country. And it was actually just a fascinating thing to see because you don't get the mainstream media filter of all of this. Tonight is obviously a very big debate, a big piece of what ultimately is gonna come in, in the first voting opportunity in Iowa. Katie, what are you hoping to see? Well, I think it's clear President Trump is ahead by a significant portion. But when you look at the polling, a lot of voters are still open to a second choice should something happen. So that second choice in the polling is Ron DeSantis. Um, Nikki Haley was one of the only candidates to really get a bump out of the last debate. So I think she's ready to go and will take on fire because if Ron DeSantis wants to get past Iowa, which they think they can still win, ahead of New Hampshire and in South Carolina, he's going to have to take out some of Haley and Tim Scott's support in that state. It's going to be a tough sell for him to do, but that's something I'm going to see or be looking for. I think Ron DeSantis didn't get a lot of heat last time. I think that he'll take some incoming uh, this time. And I think Vivek Ramaswamy, who was you know, on the rise going into the last debate and came out not as hot as you think he was going into it, will be searching for some attention. Maybe the little finger moves will come back into the screen. Um, but yeah, that's what I'm looking for. And Doug Burgum, of course, back from an injury, the man, the who rancher think, of the night. Exactly. Who, yes. who do you think needs this the most out of all the candidates? Who needs tonight to be their night in order to make an, a legitimate push? I think Ron DeSantis does. I mean, he's been going down in the polls. He needs to, you know, tell everybody that he can actually win Iowa and have a sustainable plan moving forward. There's, I think there's going to be a lot of talk after this debate about who's going to drop out um, going into Iowa. Asa Hutchinson says he's going to stay in past Thanksgiving or, you know, he'll wait till Thanksgiving to decide if he's going to get some momentum. I think we can all say that's not going to happen between tonight and Thanksgiving, uh, especially since he's not on the debate stage tonight. So I think Ron DeSantis has the most to lose given he really has been needing to go up in the polls and really has not been able to Smuggles worth. Do what do we got? Yeah, well, I mean, I think that's dead on. I think you bring up a good point is we saw there has been some movement since the last poll. I want to ask the audience. Before the debate starts, among the people who are going to be on stage, can I get a round of applause? Who supports DeSantis? Okay. How about support for Nikki Haley? Whoa. Wow. Whoa. All right. Vivek Ramaswamy. Oh. There's some golf claps over there. Some golf claps on the left. <laughs> All right. Well, 
How about Chris Christie? Oh, interesting. Tim Scott? Do we have any Tim Scott? All right, we got some Tim Scott. That was Haley Scott with the, yeah. with the cheers. How about Trump? Wow. I think you were right. Is, is voters are looking, their voters are still shopping. Still shopping. They're still They're shopping. Still shopping. Still shopping. So, Smug, uh, we've obviously spent a lot of time with all these candidates. We've seen them in their domain as they're talking to people. A lot of takeaways in terms of our experience in Iowa and everything else. We watched the first debate firsthand. We did the pre-debate show. Right there. Um, now that we're into the second debate, clearly this is a dividing line between the haves and the have-nots. Only the strong survive from here on out. Who do you got? Who do you think needs to prove something tonight? So, I mean, this is going to be critical. I don't know, you know, it has, like, the memo has not gone out to a lot of these campaigns. This debate is do or die. A lot of these candidates, if I had to guess, half of them will not be around for the next debate. You have Q3 fundraising numbers are going to come out, poll numbers are going to come out, and I think the field is going to winnow significantly. So tonight is the night you have to do or die. Yeah, no, I can't disagree with that. Are there a couple of candidates that you're looking at in particular here that you're looking for specific things? Two, thing, two things for sure. Two candidates I'm watching tonight. Number one is Doug Burgum. Yeah. Listen to that. You like Burgum. I love hearing that. So here's the thing about Doug Burgum is we all know his resume is stellar. But maybe we don't all know is I think the first debate he did, he, he had an injury, but he played through it with an Achilles injury. The story he needs to get out is number one, his resume. I'm going back. I was crunching the numbers ahead of tonight. Governor Doug Burgum has created more jobs than every other candidate on that stage combined, which is a huge flex. He needs to be able to tell his story and connect. This is, this is a wild man out of the Dakotas. He has a great story to tell, and he needs to make sure. I, I feel like this is his last shot. He needs to get up there. He needs to knock it out of the park. I think he would connect with voters on that story. On the other end of the spectrum, who is sort of at a teetering point that you feel like really needs to have a good night? That, that's, that's a great point is... If I had to say somebody is really at risk of just falling out, it's got to be Tim Scott. Tim Scott is facing an uphill battle. Since our last debate, he has, his support in polls have fallen in half. He's lost half his support in just a few short weeks. And the question for me is, number one, he hasn't shown up. Like, no one has seen him out on the road. He's not doing his work in the media. There's a lot of weird questions about like, what's going on with Tim Scott? Why is he not out in public? People don't know what's going on with him. There's a lot of rumors. No one knows what's happening with that campaign. Well, didn't right? he bail on the program? Well, he oh. certainly hasn't. Yeah. He certainly oh. hasn't responded. I heard about this. Yeah. To be honest with you, it's a Probably point not. of some contention. I mean, I would never because I am so afraid you would never. of the consequences that I would never. And I think you can take credit for having everybody who's running on the program and the people who bail. That's the reason they're falling out of the polls and why they're probably going to lose. Well, here's well the thing. I think it's a fair point. I if, think it's a fair point. Something if, to look at. If Katie can in be on... Intangible, if you will. 
if Katie can be on Fox five minutes before she shows up tonight, I think Tim Scott could show up. Yeah, exactly. Or she was on Fox today. She's here now for us. Unbelievable. Where the hell's Tim Scott? Well, she's been traveling all over the world, too, you know? So, I mean, that's the question is, Tim Scott right now, he has a, a very mysterious situation. No one knows what's going on with that campaign. The polling has been cut in half. I think he needs to show up tonight or it's, it's a wrap. And Nikki's been eating his lunch. Pretty much. Uh, on that point, Duncan, who are you looking at? Well, as you know, uh, Holmes, I'm a man motivated by anger and rage. So... Uh, who here is motivated by anger and rage? Let's hear for anger and rage. So I'd like to highlight the two candidates I think are most destined for violence tonight. Uh, and that is Chris Christie and Vivek Ramaswamy. Yeah. Uh, that is such a good poll, by the way. If there's wonderful. anything that like would define Christie and Ramaswamy coming into this debate, it's the yin and it's, yang. Ang it's anger and rage. That's right. So I think, personally, I think Christie pulled a lot of punches in the first debate. Um, I mean, he, off the top rope early on, but there were a lot of opportunities there that I think he, he took a pitch. Um, I don't know why. Uh, I, think, I think he, he has to be more forceful on the message that got him on the stage in the first place. Yep, yep. And if he's not willing to do it, I don't know if he has a shot. Uh, you know, making it for the next one. I think for Vivek, we got to figure out if this guy um, can survive a small boomlet where he's like the NFT Dogecoin uh, candidate or if he wants to be a real fucking thing. And if he doesn't, then he has to get his ass off stage too. Now, look, this is a guy who sat, who got on that stage last time and criticized everybody as being a super PAC puppet and then he's out there in Silicon Valley doing $5,000 minimum fundraisers for his super PAC. I hope that comes out tonight on stage, and wow. I look forward to the fireworks. Wow! The man brought ready. his iPhone book, book, too. That's incredible. Not coming on stage, he came out here. Yeah. <laughs> he got sideways with the old man. You hate to see it. It's the yeah, courage and conviction. It. It's there the it courage and That's conviction. The conviction it talking. Is. Yes. Any, uh, any commentary on what the old man presented there? I mean, look, Chris Christie can't go hard, too hard on everybody for when inevitably he sucks up to the person who wins so he can advise someone in the White House, including Donald Trump. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Johnny. So uh, you have probably the best resume of anybody at this table in terms of working with people who actually cover the presidential election. So you have a good idea of the storylines that are coming in. In your view, what are the storylines coming in and who are the candidates here that need to make a... a well, one of the storylines that caught my attention this morning is that there's a poll from YouGov that says 80% of people in Iowa and New Hampshire are interested in somebody other than Trump. Really? That's, that, I mean, that's, that's a poll. Like, literally came wow. out this morning. 80% of a general electorate. No, no. This is a Republican primary electorate. Interesting. They're, they're, wow. open, they're open to a voter. And this was written up by a guy named Isaac Shore from Media. You, a lot of people are familiar with him. But that's good news for one woman who far and away won the first debate and stands a good chance to win tonight, and that's Nikki Haley. 
She's an expert on foreign policy. She just rolled out an economic plan. And right now we know that Joe Biden's economy fucking sucks. Yeah. yeah. So she's standing up to Joe Biden in a way that few other people have. And I think we can expect a lot more of that from her tonight. And she's not the only candidate on people's minds tonight. Go, 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 go she's right gonna ahead. be in her element tonight. The Reagan Library is gonna be. She's gonna own it. And I heard she was listening to music ahead of the debate again. You know that she's rocking. She's ready to go. So there's another candidate running for president who's not at the debate tonight, right? And uh, this is a guy who, that same poll, if you if if voters were asked who would you vote for today, most people said would say they're gonna vote for Trump. Trump is already thinking about the general election. He's already attacking Joe Biden on electric vehicles, and tonight he's in Michigan trying to make his case for why he deserves to another shot. At a UAW of all places, which is an interesting thing, right? I mean, that's very different from a Republican primary constituency. Well, that's, that's exactly right, and, and Joe Biden was there yesterday. He's, of course, taking away all of these people's jobs, and Trump's doing his best to say that he'll give them back. Yeah. Well, I, I think that's fine, but like, you know, while Donald Trump is in Michigan trying to rally the UAW to the Republican cause, he's also in court in New York crying about the appraisal price of his country club in Florida. Yeah. And so I, I wonder how much of this is noise and a distraction versus like what people are going to say on stage tonight. And I think... If you're a Republican voter who wants to win and beat Joe Biden, you care a lot more about what the candidates say tonight than some esoteric issue about, you know, um, how much his his country club is worth in, in Mar-a-Lago. Yeah, well, I don't want to I don't want to put Katie on the spot. I mean, I think a lot of the Trump supporters would point to that Washington Post poll showing him with a 10 point lead sure. over Obama from over the weekend. Sure. But I'm confident that Katie has a point of view on all this as well. Well, I would say if, if you're a candidate on stage tonight in a place where Donald Trump is not, why would you bring him into the equation? I mean, people already know who Donald Trump is. They know what his policies are. They know what the positions are. The whole problem for these candidates so far far as being is differentiating themselves from Trump why would you bring him into the conversation if he's not going to show up to debate it's all about having the spotlight being able to capitalize on what your policy positions are and how you can lead the country I think the first debate the people who did well didn't talk about Trump they talked about themselves they talked about their vision for the country you know Nikki Haley didn't talk about him a lot Ron DeSantis talked about his record in Florida so I don't know why you would bring it in that's always the Trump trap and he's yeah. brilliant at it, whether it's the media or his fellow candidates. He forces people to talk about him, even when he's not around. If I were a candidate, I would, I would not talk about him at all. I would talk about my own record and what my plans are. Oh, it's fascinating. Look, here's my take. I, I think where I come down is I agree with you. DeSantis, this is the most important debate for him. He's lost ground. I think he did fine in the first debate. It was basically survive in advance. Where we are right now is a very important inflection point. And I'll say this, to all of you out there who are aspiring or current political operatives, have audacity in what you do. Yes. There is never once, once, been a presidential nominee for the Republican Party who has served someone else's wave to the nomination. Never one time. 
ever. You have to think about these things in the audaciousness of running for president in the first place. If you want to be the president of the free world, you have to have some audacity and to have a vision that is your own. And as an operative, your job is to try to capture that vision, to explain it to a way to the American people that they not only understand, but they appreciate. It needs to be modern, it needs to be current. The issues in somewhat stay the same, but the way that we approach them changes over the years. And if you can't figure that out, don't get on the stage in the first place. And my whole problem with everything up to this point is that you've got a whole consultant class that basically has decided that the best way to stay employed, the best way to not make waves is to just play to fight another day. Well, guess what? Preach. That day's over. That day's over. And you're gonna find out now, or you're gonna find out the first or the second week of January. Or maybe if you got a donor gullible enough, it may last until March. If I, if I read an autopsy report after Iowa about how you came so close, I will fucking puke. I do not care. All I want to know is that you put it all on the line tonight. I don't want to hear this shit about, oh, well, we, you know, we just we couldn't find the right message. And oh, boy, we were so close. I think a lot of these people suffer from a collective action problem because it's easier to get paid for six months than do the hard thing tonight. Oh, that's brutal. Great point. That's our take. That's brutal. That's our take. And look, I think that's the thing. I think that's the real thing. Um, all right. So we're going to play a game. Ooh, a game. Y'all want to <laughs> play a game? But I need Smug. I need you to carry and entertain for a moment while I go get my legal folder in back. Can you do that? Absolutely. <laughs> Folks, first of all, this is going to be a little bit out of control. I know there's a lot of excitement in the room, and I'm going to encourage everyone on this stage to be as out of control as our audience is tonight. No, not with me as a judge. We need law and order in this place. <laughs> so, so we're going to play King of the Hill. Smug, Smug will be bailiff, and, and he, keeps, he keeps a tight ship running. I, I, I'll, I'll maintain bailiff, and normally the bailiff tries to maintain law and order. I want a lot of disorder. I want a loud and rowdy crowd. So you all know, for those of you, I mean, you bought tickets, so you know what we're up to. But King of the Hill, King of the Hill is about your sellout Republican, right? If you're just going to find your craziest thing on the internet, that's easy. Everybody knows what that is. You can find it in all, every corner. But you have to find somebody who's actually committed in like a solid, like, oh, I'm a conservative Republican, who then sells out everything it is that you and I believe. That's the nature of King of the Hill. <laughs> and we've done this now for what? Two, two years? Two and a half years. Two and a half years. Two and a half years. And believe it or not, the content is everlasting, folks. <laughs> Never it's happy. absolutely terrific. But for our first time ever, yes, first time ever, we are handing over judicial authority to someone outside of the program, Katie Pavlich. Round of applause for our honorable judge, Pavlich. Woo, all right, here we go. Are you going to be an activist or do you think you're going to be a strict constructionist? No comment. 
<laughs> there are um, no activist judges, as I am told. So, and, I, and who are who are who are who are going to be playing this week? Well, uh, as defending champion, right. obviously. Here we go. I have Bill Crystal. Okay. Wow. Defending champion is a very tough out, no question about it. So I had to think long and hard about it. But there's no one that the crowd loves more than Jennifer Brainworms. Brainworm, please. Well, I think it is time to go ringside. Ladies and gentlemen, your attention, please. Let's go. It's time for King of the Hill in the red corner, fighting out of the Washington Post. For a chance to reclaim her crown, Jennifer Brainworms Let's go! What a crowd! What a great crowd! <laughs> and now, in the blue corner, fighting out of Pierre O'Madire's checkbook, <laughs> Bill War now, war forever, Crystal! All right, I want to record every show with this crowd. Hey, I, I, mean, <laughs> I thought Bill been... Crystal was fighting out of the Acela. It kills every time. <laughs> you know? It's great stuff. All right, so the, so the defending champ has to go. It's not me. Right? I have to go first. All right, let's go. Wait, who's, the, ba who's the bailiff here? I'm the bailiff. I'd like, I'd like to know everybody's role. We know we've got the judge. We have the bailiff. I, I'm guessing because of the show and the way we've operated, there's a guy over here who's amicus man. He's, yeah, he's like the muscle. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to defer to the judge. Oh, that's okay. Great. Right. Judge is in charge. Well, very thoughtful. Okay. Okay. Did we check for weapons before people came in? I don't I even want any violence against me. I mean, against you guys, it's fine, but. <laughs> I have hot fire for round one here. All right, hot fire, noted. Bill Crystal. And this is a YouTube link uh, of Lynn manuel Miranda. Uh, yeah, I know. Performing, performing uh, uh, his hit song, One Last Time. Bill Crystal says, a young friend, a Biden supporter, who thinks Biden shouldn't run again, texts. This is a guy texting him. Here's the song from Hamilton, with George Washington explaining to Hamilton, it's a sign of strength, not weakness, to step down. The similarities to this moment are uncanny. And he has retweeted himself. Oh, uh, God. God. <laughs> All right. Well, because right. I'm a... Misuse of the internet. Because I'm a professional, I have prepared a legal brief, the wow, likes of which professionals do. Mm -hmm. And uh, Jennifer Brainworms Rubin has posted something on September the 22nd, the year of our Lord, 2023. Approximately 9.58 a.m., so I don't think cocktails can be responsible for this. Although you never know. Here's the deal. 
Menendez resigns. Clarence Thomas resigns. One standard corruption is corruption. Thank you. I'm going to give this to the judge. Okay. Do we have a rebuttal? My rebuttal? <laughs> Amy brought the printed copy. I think my rebuttal is very simple. Number one, Bill Crystal has no friends. No one texts him. Number two, Not even wait, his wait, wife. Wait. number two, the fucking idea that he can shoehorn Hamilton into the obvious thing we all know, which is that Joe Biden is incompetent and is the dementia patient who should not be president of the United States again, but he gets his check signed by every person who wants him to still be president. And so it's like a fucking therapy session where this guy has to put up YouTube clips of Hamilton being like, it's, it'd be your duty to resign. Okay. Judge, may I get a counterpoint? Counterpoint. Is anybody surprised that this man spends his time on Broadway? <laughs> I'm Nobody more concerned is. he's getting texts from young Biden supporters. All right. Yeah, if you're listening. Menendez had gold bars yeah. in suit jacket pockets. We're talking about whether Clarence Thomas took a trip with a friend. The idea that these two are equated is far beyond whatever Mr. Crystal has come up with. That's true. Okay. First of all, I hate Hamilton, the play. I hate it. Let's go. I hate it. It sucks, and it's way overrated. I know that my friend MK and Guy Benson will completely disagree with me, but I hate Hamilton. So, that bias may work in your favor. However, Clarence Thomas is a national treasure. That's right. And he should be rewarded for his service to this country yeah, with gold right. bars. So, one for Holmes. To the challenger! I can't disagree with the judge. It was well-reasoned logic. I understand it. It's okay. I, I love oh, Clarence Thomas. He's buttering you up. And you printed it out. Points for that. Prince yeah, well, I, I, I'm a professional. Well, I we do love things. killing trees around here, so. I do. Good call. I do things professionally. I mean, is that wrong? I guess not in this Zoomer day of age. But, I think Foley you know, has a comment. Do. Okay. My second submission. Thank you. <clears throat> All right. This uh, comes in the in the uh, form of a reply. The reply is to a Glenn Thrush, who's a New York Times reporter, okay. talking about the Bob Menendez indictment and about how this sort of alleviates the two-tier system of justice discussion that we've talked about. Wow. What she says is, the prosecution of Hunter Biden oh. did that. Incredible. It was an obvious falsehood. Wait, she's saying Hunter Biden was an obvious falsehood? Oh, yeah. But, like it, but glad everyone can pretend now it's clear. Wait, the In other words, she has thought all along that this has been just like an entirely uh, even-handed justice Wait, point department. of clarification. Uh, but, but the the it, person or the... The person? So, Hunter Jennifer Brainworms. Right. Had, she's responding to the accusation that only now that we have a, a prosecution of Bob Menendez that it's clear that there is not two tiers of justice. Okay. Because... 
because the Hunter Bright Biden prosecution did that. Never mind the fact that they still didn't find something to agree to in Delaware, by the way. And they're still dealing with all kinds of different charges that they've never, and we've, I mean, we've read all about this. But only now, now and only now, is that we're clear. Is this a it. filibuster or a tweet? <laughs> wow. Well, I just wanted everybody to be clear well, about it because I think it's a winner and you're going down in two. Twitter is unlimited characters now. And again, yes. because so I'm a professional, I will walk it over and present okay, it. Okay, thank you. Oh, we got a photo and everything. All right. You can't prepare. Okay, uh, well, that... Merrick that, Garland himself. That tweet was dumb and bad, and uh, it was on the same theme as the previous tweet, and it seems like he's a one-trick pony. But um, Bill Crystal says, with promises to defund the FBI... Efforts to prevent the IRS from collecting taxes and attempts to shut down differing viewpoints in schools. It seems that today's right more than the left. That's for defunding the police. Oh my god. Pampering elites and cancel culture. Wow. <laughs> I submit it as written and I reserve the balance of my time. Wow. So Jennifer Brainworms Rubin, who also has in her Twitter known as X now name, yeah, Jennifer important. Truthful, not Neutral Rubin. Oh. It's a little predictable that she would still be defending Hunter Biden. And the fact that Bill Crystal now Let's go. Let's go. is defending the IRS <laughs> as a conservative gives Junkin the point. Let's go! Good Understandable. I have good no ruling. issue. I take no and issue. I remain maker. confident. I remain very confident. Three. You know, it's about salesmanship, folks. Some people got it, you know. I mean, it's just <laughs> it's just as natural. Also, Jennifer <laughs> now at Threads Ruben is her thing, too. Uh, bailiff, uh, collusion. No, I'm just reminding the bailiff of where I have my legal briefs. He actually has them ready. For a discussion. Okay. Can we continue, please, with the court? Uh, yes. I, I, I'm just I'm having to select what I would like to play here. There's just so much. If we could please just get something, for God's sake, Duncan. Thank you, Bailiff. Would you like a continuance? Thank you, Bailiff. <clears throat> it seems like the court is being delayed. Oh. No, 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 it's not. It is, it is certainly not. So, Your uh, Honor, it is not being delayed. Bill Crystal, round three. All right, let's go. He is uh, linking to a story in the New Republic. You know, <laughs> to you, New Republic? Your, just your classic conservative stalwart <laughs> publication. Yes, your Marxist publication. And what he says, and the, the, the title of the piece is, are never Trump Republicans actually just Democrats now? Which seems a little on the nose. His tweet, an interesting piece. I was quoted once praising today's Democrats as not so far from the Scoop Jackson Democrats of my youth. A congressman called to say that term might raise heckles. But maybe we could all be Hubert Humphrey Democrats. I said that is fine. <laughs> in case, in case, uh, you know, I know we got to like... Well, I mean, in the war now, war forever thing, that feels like it might yeah. be. So, so, so for a lot of the young folks uh, here in the audience tonight, Scoop Jackson is, uh, you know, a Democrat who's known for basically one 
heterodox position, and that is being the guy who wants to drop the bomb on everyone. <laughs> so it all tracks with Bill Crystal as we know him. I feel like I've got to put away. I do it. have one follow-up question before we move on to the next. You have a question? Was the, did he use the term raise hackles in his tweet? Raise hackles. Okay. He did. No, he did. did in fact do that. Mr. Holmes, proceed. That's an interesting, an interesting question. Judge. I'm not sure how to quite prepare for that as counsel. Um, but I feel like I've, I feel like I've got what it takes. This is just your standard nuclear bomb. <laughs> A standard <laughs> nuclear bomb. This is your standard nuclear bomb. This is your standard. Republicans are nuts. The press needs to make this clear in their reporting. It's not just another party. Point of clarification. Does Jennifer Brainworms Ruben, Jennifer Truthful Not Neutral Ruben, Jennifer Now at Threads Ruben, at Ruben Blogger, still identify herself as a Republican? Well, it's unclear because the Washington Post identifies her as she, a conservative She's a conservative blogger. opinion writer yeah. for the Washington Post. How she identifies herself remains a mystery to all of us. But all of us who have dealt with her over the years knows that uh, not only was the Republican Party not nuts, but the Democratic Party was nuts just uh, six short years ago. All right. May, may I offer a short rebuttal? Sure. Uh, so Bill, Bill Crystal, who is sort of like the last Japanese soldier on the island claiming to be the never Trump person who is not an actual Democrat and still cares about the conservative movement has now let the mask slip and saying he is in fact a Democrat and not just any Democrat. He's a Hubert Humphrey Democrat. My God, somebody ring the bell. Right. Republicans are nuts. All I'm right. not sure you can ring, slip the, the that mask. That sounds like a slip. conservative writer for the Washington I'm not Post. sure the mask slips any further out than that. I feel like this Bill is Crystal it. used the term raised hackles, which, quite frankly, is a term I like. Original, interesting, kind of weird. V Vivek Ramaswamy like with a hackling. Nice. Jennifer Rubin's talking about herself when she says Republicans are nuts. So I think it's time for the crowd to decide who's going to win oh, this Oh, look at this. A full democracy. Good lord. Well, it's a dictatorship if I don't like the answer. <laughs> we call Everyone that populism, Katie. Holmes gets the points. Cheer. Everyone who thinks Duncan gets the point. Cheer. Wow. Do we have a recap? Get the fuck out of here! <laughs> Do we have any uh, recounts or... Let's wait for the mail-in ballots. Claims of rigging. The mail-in ballots are in. One more time. Holmes? Duncan? The mail-in ballots sealed it. They did. Rigged in the middle of the night. Let's Duncan go. Wins. Yes. Huge, huge. You've humiliated me in front of my constituents. <laughs> <laughs> this is the best. Never doubt It's democracy. an inside joke because he did that to Ron Johnson in Wisconsin. It was fantastic. Anyway, 
Guys, thank you so much for indulging us. Katie Pavlich, ladies you. and gentlemen. Thank, thank you, you so much. Thank, thank you. you. Listen, we want to bring our co-partner in all of this up. Emily Seidel, where are you? Come on up. Emily. There she is. Big round of applause. Senator Fetterman, it's nice Hi. to see you, Senator. How are you? Good. Listen, we barely get to see you because you're out working. I know. Working I know. all the time. I'm a regular listener, and this was a great this was a great live experience. This was awesome. I love it so much, and we had a chance to meet some of your volunteers who have knocked incredible doors and made phone calls across this country. Can we Thank you for those of you who are doing knockers. that. Thank you so much. No, so listen, listen. So I'm here, I'm happy to bring any, any news from the grassroots that I can share for, for you all. The only reason I can do that is because of people like Brittany and Candace who are here right now. Thank you. Brittany's in Colorado, Candace is from Texas. Together, they are responsible for 400,000 phone calls and 70,000 door knocks. Two ladies. Wow gotta be some kind of a record incredible thank you guys thank wow. you guys thank you so much those would have are, no those... chance if not for people like that everybody give a round of applause yes Seventy thousand door knocks wow since march 1st i mean that's amazing yeah. that's like will chamberlain numbers wow. right yeah, there. that is incredible whoa i mean that got dark in a hurry <laughs> we're not talking about that uh so all right one of the things that we rely upon, and we've talked about this stuff in the past, you've gone on the program, and we've talked about all a range of things, but you get things through a media filter, you get things through campaigns, you guys actually have people like this out throughout the field all the time. What's your sense of what's happening out there right now? Well, so I think it's important to start with what we're actually doing. So right now, folks like, like Candace and Brittany are organized people across the country, but in particular in Iowa, New Hampshire, South Carolina, some of the early Super Tuesday states, to talk specifically to Republican primary voters and potential Republican primary voters. And so that's, that's the data set that I have to bring for you. We've, we've uh, knocked on the doors or called the homes of 4.6 million people wow. so far this year wow. in that data set. Congratulations. That is outstanding. Yeah. So we're hearing a couple of things. I'll share, I'll share the top lines with you. First, from a policy perspective. So we're talking to them about uh, what's top of mind for them, how they're looking at their lives and, and, and what's happening in the world. And um, far and away, all they talk about is inflation. And how- That's the number one thing. Number one, by about 55% of the doors you knock on, you're gonna have I'm a not surprised about to inflation. I'm not surprised to hear that. But I mean, there's a lot going on in the world, right? There's border, fentanyl crisis. None of that stuff cracks 10% of the doors that we knock wow. on. It is inflation. And the reason you guys talked about it earlier, it's because the Biden economy is absolutely crushing people. Yeah, terrible. And so that's what they want to talk about. And they are looking to see Who's going to solve this? Who's going to propose the policy solutions are going to get government spending under control? It's going to unleash energy abundance, bring the price of gas down, all that stuff. That's what they want to know. So we're talking to them about policy. 
And that leads to a conversation about how they're looking at the field of candidates then, yeah. because they know we can't afford four more years of the Biden-Harris yeah. policy. You're here, That's right? right. You're here. That's right. And so they want to know who's going to win, who can beat Biden. And um, I'm here to tell you, you guys were right on the, the money with how the grassroots is feeling when you were talking earlier. They are open to voting for somebody new because they are prioritizing electability over anything else. That's interesting. interesting. That's totally fascinating. But it's not surprising that like the D.C. subculture of discussing the horse race has gotten it wrong here. What is interesting to me is that somehow there's a divorce between the issue of the day that we're dealing with like government shutdowns or whatever and what people are actually feeling at home would you say like there's an intensity behind this concern like you know i mean there's issues that we all care about but then there's voting issues yeah where are we at in terms of like the intensity the intensity of the issue and inflation in particular yeah. i mean people people are telling us incredible stories um Brittany has a story of somebody that she spoke to in Colorado who's 71 years old. He retired. He's talking about unretiring because he can't afford wow. to stay retired with his wife and his niece who lives yeah. with him. There's another woman that, that Candace shared about in, in Texas who has a good job. She works as a nurse's assistant. She's got two kids, eight and six. Um, so she's got, she's got a good job, right? Yeah. She can't afford rent utilities and to, and to feed her kids she's had to go to a food bank and she's not she said i never thought that this would happen to me but the price the price of living has just gotten way out of control and she can't do it we're hearing these stories across the country in yeah. wisconsin i shared this earlier on a radio show heartbreaking we did a, a grocery store event where we give out um you know last time i was here we talked about the gas events yeah. when we were dropping the price of gas yeah. to the day before biden was sworn in um, and paying the difference for people. We're also doing these events at grocery stores where we give a $25 gift card to the grocery store, to, to customers, and we talk to them about the causes of inflation and what they can do to solve it. And um, one of the women that we talked to had to choose, or if we hadn't given her that gift card, she would have had to choose between a portion of the groceries that she needed to feed her family and diapers. So you want to talk about intensity. I mean, this is like the, the, the things that people are dealing with every single well, day, and they are fired up. Choosing between groceries and diapers, that's Binomics, right? That and is Binomics right there. And what, what's unbelievable to me is that Binomics affects everybody. The grocery prices, the gas prices, everything that has to do with inflation that Joe Biden has caused to this country affects everybody, including people who may not speak English as their first language. I know you guys have a giant program the, you call it the Libre, Initiative, the Libre Initiative, and there are a lot of people who are considering voting Republican for the first time. That's right. Um, Americans for Prosperity actually has three three pieces. There's AFP, there's the Libre Initiative that does outreach to Hispanic and Latino communities, and Concerned Veterans for America, which is exactly what it sounds like. And yeah, yeah round of and, and so, you know, Libre has been operating um, in these communities across the country for over a decade, a deep roots in these communities. And what you're seeing is basically their concern about inflation is exactly the same as everybody else. There's no daylight between the Hispanic community and, and as an electorate and, and these other communities that AFP is operating in because everybody is having the same experience under the Biden economic policy. Michael, you got... So AFP, largest grassroots conservative organization in the country, 
you look at the next four months, six months, next calendar year of everything that you're going to be doing out there on the grassroots. Do you see you guys, you see yourselves sort of following the presidential primary? Are you following the swing states to reach persuadable voters? What is your focus here over the next calendar year? So um, we said back in January and February that we were going to lay out our plan for the election cycle. Um, right now what we're doing is talking and listening to people to understand what they care about and what it's going to take to get them engaged in the presidential primary, in key Senate primaries, House primaries, and on down the line. Um, over the next couple of months, we're going to continue to talk and listen to them, but at some point, AFP Action is going to acquire that data to really understand where the people are, and then we're going to endorse a candidate for president in the Republican Party. Well, you are. Wow. You're going to make an endorsement. Wow. Yeah. Big wow. deal. Oh, big That's deal. Big news. That's news. That's not news. We said that a long time ago. <laughs> it's news now. It's news now. Okay. So we're watching tonight's debate. You're serious about this. Yeah. Very yes. serious about it. And and listen, we're. Li uh, you guys will appreciate this. When I talk about how we're going to make this decision, I've said we're going to be ruthlessly pragmatic. Yeah, there you go, girl. Let's go. We're going to look for somebody who can address these policy crises that are plaguing our country, who can lead the country forward, and who can win so that we don't have four more years of the Biden-Harris administration. Winning is the number one thing. That's what matters. And that's what we're looking for on a stage like tonight to see who proposes those solutions. We're, we're hosting, I don't know, four or five dozen watch parties across the country, just like this one, but without you guys, unfortunately. Well, give, um, us, give us a little hint, though, because you, you're, in the, you're on the field. You're n talking to people all the time. Obviously, watch the first debate. You've watched everything there is to do with the presidential nomination process up to this point. What do you expect? Who do you, is there something out of someone you're really ho hoping to see or not hoping to see, or you're just kind of like hoping somebody emerges as an alternative? Because at this point, look, it's eyes wide open for all of us. There's a 30% gap between the front runner here and everyone else. Yeah. And if you're interested in a real choice in Iowa, New Hampshire, and beyond, there's going to need to be some consolidation there. Yeah. Do you have any thoughts on any of that? Well, so you uh, shared the poll, 80% of primary voters in, was it New Hampshire? It's hard to hear it's, out there. Yeah, it's New Hampshire and Iowa. Yeah. And it's a YouGov are, poll. Yeah, are open to somebody new. Yeah. Some of those people are currently answering pollsters' questions saying that they support Trump. And when the pollster is just doing the top line polls, that's how you get to those high numbers. When you're a grassroots organization, you're standing on their front step and you're talking to them for 10, 15 minutes at a time, you get deeper into the conversation. And 30 seconds after somebody says, well, you know, when we ask them how they're looking at the field, they say, oh, I, I kind of like Trump. 30 seconds later, they say, but you know, I'm not sure you can win. Wow. And, and it's somewhere, it, it varies, right? But it's somewhere between 40 and 70% of the people who say Trump say, but I'm not sure he can win. I'm open to somebody new because the most important thing is to beat Biden. Wow. But I, I, think that's one, I think that's one of the most interesting things about your group is because you're actually talking to people. Yeah. So many of these journalists, they just pick out somebody at random. So many of these pollsters, they just don't, they don't really know who they're calling. 
but you you guys actually have a personal relationship. Yeah. You've been to these doors multiple times over multiple years yeah. because you have such longevity in your organization as the biggest conservative group in the country. Yeah. And so, like, I mean, that has to be a real source of power for you guys. Well, and it's people in your community talking to you and your neighbors and everybody. It's not people flying in from D.C. or other places to, to, to talk. This is a true grassroots organization. But, to, I mean, to your question, so if, if, if a significant portion of Trump, so current Trump supporters who are showing up in the polls as Trump supporters are open to somebody new, the question is, who are they going to go to? And that's what they're watching these debates the same. And they're looking for what I talked about earlier, who's going to solve inflation. Um, they want to see how people react, how their, how their community reacts to the candidates on the stage today, because they're also looking for who's going to get my neighbor's vote, who's going to get my friend's vote, who's going to get my mom's vote, and who's going to win because that's a big factor. Um, you know, Republican primary voters don't have the, the, the luxury of not considering electability given the direness of the, the Biden agenda. Well, I mean, we have a pretty large community here. I want, I want to ask everyone here tonight, with a sound of applause, I want to hear where you stand. What's your number one issue in this election? First one, is it the economy? Let me hear a round of applause. Is it the border? Let me hear a round of applause. Is it the real estate valuation of Mar-a-Lago? <laughs> no? That was good. That was really good. I'm surprised. No, but this is the thing, right? If this election, um, after the primary, if it's about Biden's handling of the economy, Republicans win. Not just the presidency, but Senate races, House races, everywhere right couldn't, couldn't agree more but if this election is about other issues what happens to those key senate races we just saw this play out in 2022 right we don't need to have that happen again no i mean look what very well said listen i can't thank you enough not only for this event and all of your people and what they're doing but honestly we all owe you a debt of gratitude and everyone in your organization for consistently doing what you're doing year in and year out. When the spotlight's on, when the spotlight's off, you guys are showing up and doing the hard work that all of us benefit from. So yeah. thank you, Emily Seidel. Thank you. Thank you, Our AMP. country's worth yeah. it. Our country's worth it. Really appreciate it. Really appreciate it. Before you go, for those of us who aren't a part of the crowd, where can they sign up? Where do they find you? americansforprosperity.org or prosperityispossible.com if you saw the, the big RV out there that's our current tour going around the country it's yeah. an inconspicuous vehicle that's, that's yeah. parked out in front terrific, thank you Emily thank, thank, thank you, you so much, thank you. So, much. Yeah. so look the whole goal of tonight is for us to have a couple of cocktails and enjoy ourselves like uh Ladies and gentlemen, as we do, and we're going to get off this stage. We're going to enjoy this debate, but we're going to be partying amongst you. We may, we may have something to say throughout at commercial breaks. We may not. It depends how angry I get. Yeah. Because if I get angry, I'm going to talk a lot. He's going to talk a lot, and you can't stop him. And that's the th unfortunate part when you pay for the microphone, right? So anyway, thank you guys. Thanks to thank everybody you for coming all so out. Much. Ruthless, we're out.
Thank you all so much. I think this was another banger of a program. Well, absolute banger of an episode, if I may say so myself, gentlemen. Thank you so much to Kate Sumshali. Thank you so much to our wonderful audience. Thank you, AFP. So, until next time, minions, keep the faith. Hold the line and own the woods. We'll see you on Tuesday. Stay ruthless. <laughs>